And then she went, wait. And I looked at her and, you know, and she was like, wait, there's a third. And I, wow. like the, the way you would see a scene on the movies, it that was me. I, I was like, <laughs> no. And she was giggling and I was saying, quit laughing. This is not funny. And she was like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Welcome to the Dream Mentorship Podcast, where we interview everyday women making a difference in their lives and communities. From doctors to stay-at-home mamas, CEOs who work hard with no drama, this is where you come to dream and be inspired. Because at Dream Mentorship, we believe that every dream is valid. Here's our host and founder, Mac Jane Creighton. All right, people, welcome to the Dream Mentorship Podcast. Thank you so much for sticking with us. And if you are new here, welcome. Thank you for tuning in and stopping by to listen to our podcast. Uh, my name is Mac Jane, and today we have a guest. She's a mom of four to a five-year-old, and she has three plates that are two-year-olds. She was born and raised in Mississippi, and her philosophy is it takes a village. And I told her right before we jumped on this podcast that I was going to start from there and ask her about her philosophy because it kind of goes right into what we do at Dream Mentorship. So she is a certified pediatric sleep specialist. She's a registered labor and delivery nurse, and she's also the owner and founder of Magnolia Families. You are going to get to know all about that. So you if you've ever heard of sleep therapy or a sleep specialist, or you've never heard about it, well, this podcast is for you because you definitely want to know what that means and how that can make an impact in your life. Because she says sleep is necessary. Sleep needs to be a priority. Sleep doesn't need to be hard. And that's exactly what we'll be talking about today. So would you join me on welcome to the podcast today, Abby Murray. Welcome to the podcast, Abby. Hi, thanks for having me. So I'm excited because, you know, like we had already kind of established a chat before we got on the podcast and we like you already. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we want we want everyone who's listening to kind of also get your energy and get to know you more. So before I get into even what you do and how you came about the name Magnolia Families, tell us about your philosophy, It Takes a Village. How did you come to that? Yeah, so I grew up in the Mississippi Delta, and I am actually an only child. My parents were only able to have one, and it was me. So I was raised by a group of women called my yayas, and the dads are called the yo-yos, believe it or not. And I was raised by five or six couples that were like my parents growing up. They, you know, would discipline me like the like my parents and would tell me when I was doing something wrong or, you know, tell me to pull my dress down or whatever else. And so I was raised by just a village of people. And so what I learned is that it takes a village of people to help raise you. I think in today's world, we've kind of stepped away from that, especially during a pandemic. We're at home with just our families, but you really need people around you with different opinions and different views on things to, to let you feel heard and to also teach you what they know through their experiences. So whether it's moms or dads or, you know, aunts, uncles, cousins, it just, it literally takes all of us. You, you got to have a wider viewpoint than just your immediate little family. Right. And I totally agree with you. As someone who is Nigerian, I was raised by a village as well. And I know how 
fruitful that has been in my life to have had all those aunties and uncles and everyone on the on the street basically yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of grooming you and telling you you can do it you're worth something and I appreciate that how would you say that has shaped your life to get you to the point where you are now as a mom as a wife and business owner now paint a picture for us your journey to where you are right now that's a great question It took a village to raise me. And when you get that village, like I said, you have support coming other than just your mom and dad. You know, I think your mom and dad are supposed to love you. They get to tell you they love you and and they think you're wonderful. But when you have other people that are building you up, it's easier to go out confidently in the world knowing that you were built up by a lot of people that love you. So my support group was very large and I'm very, very grateful for it. It has helped me numerous times in my life. So it gave me the confidence to put myself out there and to just try and see where life leads me. So we are going to go into your life as a mom. You have a five-year-old and you have three two-year-olds who are triplets. And just before we got on the podcast, you were sharing how it wasn't like you planned it to have triplets. <laughs> I don't think anyone plans to have triplets and, and it happens. Can you tell us about that? And you have some incredible story dealing with postpartum depression, anxiety, difficult pregnancies, a miscarriage. Can you kind of basically share your story? Did a lot of women go through some aspect of this, and even sometimes not necessarily as a mom, anxiety, um, whether a college student or just anybody really can go through that. Take us through that background. Let people kind of get to see uh, where you are now. I got married when I was 30. I traveled a lot when I was in my 20s and and got a lot of stuff out of my system. So I said I was not going to get married until I was 30. And, um, and then I would start my life from there. I did just that. I was living in St. Louis, working as a high-risk labor and delivery nurse. I was talking to my one of my best friends who is the program director at Camp Aska here on Lake Martin in Alabama, which is a year-round special needs camp that I worked at when I was in college for a few summers and met my husband there. She was talking, she was like, why don't you come be a nurse at camp before you, you know, go travel all over? And so I came back for the summer and my husband was single at the time and so was I. He came to see me at camp and when I got back to Alabama and we just knew that it was time. So we realized it was the time and we realized, you know, life had put us back together. And so we got married in 2014 I got pregnant and I had my first son in September of 2015. As a labor and delivery nurse, being pregnant is a little scary because you know too much. So I actually had a pretty interesting pregnancy. I had preeclampsia, which is high blood pressure issues throughout my pregnancy, and actually was in a pretty bad car wreck on my way out to Camp Aska when I was pregnant with my son. When I was 21 weeks pregnant, I was driving out to Camp Aska and an 18-wheeler logging truck claims he didn't see me and he pulled out in front of me and there was no way to miss him. So I jerked the wheel. It totaled my car completely. And luckily I'm still alive and Moss made it here to earth with us, but it was a pretty traumatic event. So that kind of just shook me pretty big. And I laugh and say, jokingly say now after, you know, dealing with it all that it took a Mack truck hitting me to make Mm. me realize that I was not in control as much as I wanted to be. Wow. No, no. as as soon as you get too serious, for real, life hits you with Mack trucks in a triplet in triplets. Mm -hmm. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So 
I finished my pregnancy out and I delivered him here at East Alabama where I'm a labor nurse. And after that, I didn't accept help as much as I should have. You know, I'd, I'd lived my life and done whatever I wanted to for so long. And, and then, boom, you have this child that needs you. And it's a eye-opening experience. And so I kind of tuned to hyper-focus and I had postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression. I think uh, it was a lot of trauma stuff in there too. My delivery was pretty, was pretty um, eventful, which, you know, we laugh and say that's the nurse curse, but it wasn't as easy. I just, I felt isolated. My parents still live in Mississippi. My mom would come and visit me and I had my mother-in-law here in town, but I kind of just wanted to do it all myself. And so I just kind of lost myself in, in motherhood. Actually, Camp Aska asked me at that point to come back and be the health services director. So we sold our house in town and we moved out to camp. And when I got back out there with my village and out in nature more and, you know, the campers and everyone that I've known for so long, I did get better. So that was my journey there. And the bottom line is I learned that I needed to accept help more. I couldn't do it all myself. And my husband was wonderful and helped. But the reality is, is that men have a different adjustment, but it's, it's totally different for a woman than it is for a man. That was my first pregnancy. I then got pregnant again in 2016. My dates are a little off. And <laughs> we had actually told my parents and my in-laws and got everybody excited. We had cute little video and everything um, with Moss, you know, spelling out that he was going to be a big brother. Um, and so it was the day before I was going for my first ultrasound and I started bleeding. So I had a miscarriage and that was tough. I chose to do it at home naturally. I, I didn't have a DNC. And so I wanted to experience the whole thing. You know, it was a loss and I wanted to totally experience that whole thing. So I was okay. It took some healing and it totally threw off my hormones and it shakes you. And I feel like it's something I talk about it so openly because I feel like more women need to talk about it. And way more women than people realize have miscarriages and it shouldn't be a taboo thing. It's something that's very normal and it's also very hard. Right. So after that, I worked on just trying to work on myself and get my hormones back in check. Um, I used some some natural type, you know, adaptogens and, and things like that that I'm into and got myself feeling good and better and was feeling positive, you know, that I would get pregnant again when it was the right time. And we were living out at camp and, and walking and enjoying letting our little boy run and play in the lake and just enjoying him. And so then... and. January-ish, early January, I realized that I was pregnant. I was throwing up very early and, you know, me being a labor nurse, I knew a lot of this. And But because we had told our family so early with the, the pregnancy that I lost, I didn't say anything. I didn't even say anything to my husband. I would just get sick in the morning and keep going and I would fall asleep with my son really early at night. And I kind of knew, but it was too early to take a pregnancy test. And I thought to myself, this is probably twins or something, you know, because I knew <laughs> I was pregnant really, really early. And so sure enough, I, I took the pregnancy test and it was positive. And I, I told my husband, I was like, I don't want to tell our family or anything just because, you know, in case you lose another one, it's hard. I, or I think I was around seven weeks and I went to meet with the doctor. I got an early ultrasound because I'd had a miscarriage. They will do an earlier ultrasound. And she said, oh my gosh, there's two. And I was like, I know it. My husband was with me <laughs> and my, um, my son was there. And then she went, wait. And I looked at her and, you know, and she was like, wait, 
there's a third. And I, wow. like the, the way you would see a scene on the movies, it that was me. I, I was like, <laughs> no. And she was giggling and I was saying, quit laughing. This is not funny. And she was like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. And I was like, no, it is not. Uh, you know, I totally, I think my labor nurse in me took over. I'd worked high-risk labor and delivery. And so I'd seen a lot of triplet moms and higher order multiple moms in the hospital for months at a time, you know, just trying to keep the babies in. And so I just, that's all I could picture. And I was just like, no, no way. Wow. This is not my life. I knew it was going to change everything. Yeah, I went into a big life altering I would have never expected that for myself ever yeah I I, I can't even even imagine that um, <laughs> I have three-year-olds uh-huh. um and and I know how harmful they are and then to imagine three times that <laughs> um <laughs> so kudos to you and your story is so inspiring you went from picking yourself up encouraging yourself to I am just like sitting here and I'm I'm lost for words to see your courage as a mom as a woman and and to top it off you started your own business with that tell us about Magnolia Families how how did you come about that yeah. being a nurse I had worked nights for many years in St Louis and even when I came back here to Alabama. And I realized that I had a lot of sleep anxiety. You know, I would just be so worried that I wouldn't get enough sleep. And then labor and delivery is kind of like the ER. You never know what you're going into. There's no way to know because you can't stop women from having babies. So they come in. So I had dealt with some sleep anxiety myself. And so I really knew how important sleep was, how important it is for your mental health and everything. I dealt with that even with my postpartum anxiety and depression with my son. I held and rocked my son during my you know, postpartum phase. And actually until he was about two, I rocked him to sleep every single night. I nursed him to sleep a lot of the times and it was a great experience, but I kind of lost myself in it. Like I said, I I wasn't taking care of myself as much. Um, I should have been going to sleep and giving him the tools to self-soothe and put himself to sleep. But I just felt like I needed to hold him the whole time. And that's understandable. But when I found out I was having triplets, I was just like, all right, well, I can't do that with three. And so I'm going to have to figure something out because I knew how sleep, how important sleep was for myself and for my son and for my husband who's a teacher. And so I started looking into quote unquote sleep training. I don't really love that term because there's so much negative connotation around it. I, I kind of like to say I'm a sleep teacher and, and and I like to empower people to just realize how important it actually is. And so I looked into the program Moms on Call, which is a great program. It's started by nurses and the consultants and people that work for them have to be nurses as well. I had a woman come that was a consultant for them and she came over for an afternoon and just kind of helped me make sure the nursery was set up and kind of helped us understand how a schedule would work. And then I had some email emailing with her afterwards and she was very helpful. She helped us make sure we knew how to swaddle really tightly. And, and so it was just really helpful because for me at that point in my life, I was just like, look, I love to read. I love to learn. I mean, I have a few degrees. I, re- I really love to learn, but I was just like, mm-hmm. I do not have time. I just need someone to tell me what to do. Someone who mm-hmm. knows what they're doing. And I just need them to tell me what to do. So she came and she helped. And it was very, very helpful just to have another woman here. And that point of your life too, after you have a baby, you don't want to let people in, you know, you, it's a, it's a sacred space, but I knew I needed help. So she came and it was very helpful And like I said, I had an email or two with her after that. And then I just kind of figured it out on my own how to go with that. So after a little while, I I found that 
I had my triplets sleeping through the night pretty early on. And I'm sure I'm sure you'll be singing hallelujah. Exactly. It was such a different scenario than I than I had with my son. I was like, oh my gosh, I can be rested. I can sleep in the bed by myself. We moved back to Auburn at that point. I had to quit my job at Camp Aska because I, and I had triplets and everything changed. New car, new house, <laughs> new school for my son knew everything. So sleep was just even that more important. And I realized it. So being from Mississippi, Alabama, you know, uh, I swear everybody in Mississippi knows everybody. So people started talking and people (laughs) realized that I had these three babies sleeping through the night. And so I had moms and friends just reaching out to me all the time. I think a lot of it was because I do have a nursing background. So I found myself helping all of these moms. It's hard to afford daycare for four kids. And so I started thinking, I, I was I started realizing that I could do this from home and I could make it be what I want it to be. And I love sleep and I love getting educated more. So I actually was like, you know what? I'm going to go to school and I'm going to be certified myself to do this. And I'm going to help women because I have a unique perspective, having three different personalities sleep at once on top of uh, Mm -hmm. another child, you know, fitting him into the, to the picture in the schedule too. So that's kind of how I got started. That's an amazing story. I love what you do because (laughs) I'm sure a lot of moms listening to this are thinking, oh my gosh, I need to talk to you. So I know that your business, Magnolia Families, focuses on pediatric sleep and motherhood well-being. You have packages for prenatal care and newborn um, babies and toddlers. Can you talk a little bit about that, what you do in case someone is interested in connecting more with you? Yeah, Magnolia Families, I came up with the name just um, randomly. So I'm from Mississippi, which is the Magnolia State. And then, you know, um, we have Magnolia Street here in Auburn, which is a a well-known street. I loved the movie Still Magnolias growing up. I think a lot of us do. And we, uh, my mom, I say my mom's my mother, who is amazingly strong. And all the women that helped raise me are all so strong. So Still Magnolias has just always been a big theme in my life. And my idea with Magnolia Families was to just help families grow stronger and to get that village around them to, you know, to become their own steel magnolias and not feel like they're doing it alone. So yes, as a labor nurse, you know, I know all about childbirth. I taught childbirth classes here at the hospital and I have breastfed and bottle fed my children. I'm not a lactation consultant. I'm actually going to work on getting that certification as a lactation educator, but I help moms get the first latch with their baby right after their baby's born and on their chest. So I have had a lot of experience with that and bringing home newborns. So knowing the OBGYNs in town and the different nurses and how the hospital works, what you need to take to the hospital, I offer a prenatal and newborn package. So I can kind of work to to tailor you to, to help teach you things, what you need to know about going to the hospital and what you don't need to take to the hospital. And, you know, I know your doctors can educate you on the types of induction and things like that, but I can help answer any extra questions that the doctors would need you to answer. And for those who don't live in town, the different methods of induction are the same. I can answer those questions, you know, the little questions like, am I in labor? Am I not? You know, you always have to follow your doctor's recommendations and plans like that. But I can help answer those questions because 
I've been doing that for years. And so, and then with the newborn phase, just bringing home baby and what to expect. Babies do not get their circadian rhythms figured out or even developed. And then night and day sleep doesn't even come together until they're about three or four months old. That first newborn phase is just encouraging mom, like, hey, you're doing right. You cannot mess up your child. I mean, you can, if you know what I mean. But the fact that if they, if you reach out to me, that means you care and you want what's best for your child. And so, you know, I always tell new mothers that there's so much information online right now about this and this schedule and wake times and and all of those things, which they are important, but I feel like it makes moms and women lose sight of the bigger picture. Back many years ago, they did not have all of that information and the babies thrived and survived. With some education, you had, they had their grandmothers and their aunts and everyone teaching them what to do. And so I feel like a lot of this information out there is making it harder. So in that newborn phase, you Mm -hmm. just need to, to tell moms, Hey, you're doing a good job. Let the baby sleep when they want to sleep. It's all going to work out. If your baby's gaining weight and doing well and your pediatrician says everything's fine, it is fine. I can give little tips to help you work to get them to sleep later and longer amounts of times and help with some schedules, some daytime schedules to get just get you on a schedule, which is what makes the mom feel better and the dad. So that's kind of what I do with the prenatal and the newborn phase up until about three or four months. And then after that, I get into, I say four months and up, I work through five years. When you say sleep training, in my opinion, that's the, it's just fixing bad habits. And bad habits is something we all have with our children because life is busy and life gets crazy. And we have to do with what works sometimes, to be quite honest, you know? Right. So number one, see the bad habits which you usually know, you know what they are when you, when you reach out to me. And then I just help you find ways to help fix those bad habits. A lot of it, I go off of biological sleep times, which is science. Babies and children have biological sleep times. And so you want to recognize this, you know, science doesn't lie. So biological sleep times are what we need to follow, but also the baby. Um, I tell moms every time I talk to them, I'm like, you know, yes, we do want the first nap to be around 9 a.m., But if your baby is showing sleepy cues at 8.15, we follow the child first. As a labor nurse, I always, I use this analogy that, you know, when when I'm working as a nurse and I have a patient who the mom does not look right, she doesn't look well, her coloring is off or her breathing looks labored. If she looks like she's not okay, but the monitor, the one that's reading her oxygen saturation says it's 99, but the mom doesn't look right, I'm going to trust what I'm seeing on the patient, not just a monitor, not just a computer. And so I encourage moms to watch their child first. And I just kind of hold your hand through it and let you know that you're doing a good job. You've got this. And luckily, it's been pretty successful so far. Awesome. I'm really intrigued by your business. And I think a lot of moms are thinking right now, where have you been all my life? (laughs) So before we even ask you this question, I want to give a big shout out to a nurse. I don't know her name. I don't know. I don't even remember anything about her except that when I was pregnant, you know how it is. It was so much pain and I was going crazy and I had worked into that hospital room and I don't think I was um, the best person that day. (laughs) And she had walked into that room and she had looked at me. She said, oh, sweetheart, it's going to be okay. And she gave me this giant 
hug. Mm-hmm. And that's all I remember about her. And I just can't, I remember crying on her shoulder. And I was like, thank you. Thank you so much. Right. Thank you so much. Because <laughs> I felt like she, somebody finally yes. gets it. I'm in yes. pain. Yes. You're like, I don't want you to, I just, so, need you to, I just need to feel understood by a woman. And right. I it's going to be okay. <laughs> right so yeah whoever she is big shout out to you i wish i can remember her or her name or anything like that if you're listening thank you um anyway back to you abby as we head out what is something you wish all women were taught when it comes to motherhood i wish all women were taught to number one trust your gut and sometimes you can let your head get in the way but if something doesn't feel right and it sticks with you, or if something does feel right, and it sticks with you, and it stays with you, it's usually your gut talking. So trust it. Trust your gut. And then also not make it be so hard. It is hard. Motherhood is hard. It's worth it. But it doesn't have to be so hard. You don't have to read all the books and do and, and get your brain so focused on finding an answer for something. Like we said, you know, people have been sleeping and babies have been sleeping and mothers have been mothering way before any of this information came out. The information is very helpful. The science is helpful. But it doesn't have to be so hard. Motherhood is hard enough without you making it harder by trying to figure everything out and making your brain just explode with with information. Reach out to another woman. I did a free guide that I have on my Instagram saying it's just telling women, you know, reach out to other people. A lot of us moms don't want to hear all of your advice for how to to be in our life, but listen to other women's stories. You know, if your grandmother's not still around or your mom and you, you know, you don't really want to hear your mom, but listen to other women's stories and ask them how they handled things when they were having a bad day. What did they tell themselves to feel better? And I think just listening to other women and creating your village, whether it's online or in person, just snuggle up to other women and know that you're not alone and trust your gut. Right. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Abby, for joining us. Uh, This has been really, really inspiring, educating, and full of insights. And thank you. I appreciate you sharing your story with us on the podcast. Thank you so much for um, asking me. I love this. I hope a lot of young women know to put yourself out there. You never know what's going to happen. You might get triplets one day. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Well, on that high note, um, thank you all for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and we hope that you would be a part of our dream mentorship community. If you're looking for a village of women, women supporting women, you can be a part of us. You're welcome to join us. We have a membership program that is for young women, whether you're in college, you're interested in ministry work, missions, anything of that sort. We want to ask you that you take a moment today to check out our website and come to one of our interest meetings to get to know us. And if you're also here listening to this podcast and you're like, okay, I really want to support Dream Mentorship. How can I help them reach their goal of empowering, equipping, and paying for college tests before 2021 women? You can head over to our website today and make a donation of any amount. Your tax deductible donation will go a long way in directly impacting the lives of women in our communities. Once again, thank you all so much for supporting us for listening to our podcast, for just hanging out with us. We love you all. And until next time, bye-bye. Thanks for listening. 
don't forget to follow and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. If you'd like to learn more about what Dream Mentorship has to offer, follow us on Instagram at Dream Mentorship or visit our website, dreammentorship.org. This podcast was edited by Ruby Liebeshack. Live your authentic dream because every dream is valid.